0: We've been doing a series on living a a supernatural lifestyle. (laughs) We've got to fix this before we get going here. Living a supernatural lifestyle. We've been talking about um, prophecy, the difference between prophets and prophecy, and we talked about a week ago. We talked about how the the fivefold ministry is going from emerging into merging into one pool, like. John five, the pool of Bethesda it was covered with five porticles, and we talked about how the fivefold ministry is beginning to learn to work together. And and as it does, as the fivefold ministry learns to work together, it's like the five like the five coverings, the five porticles over the pool of Bethesda, is creating strategic alliances with heavenly allies, and we're getting angelic help. And we so and then we talked about as we begin to move in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, as we begin to move by the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit realm, that we need to learn how to hear the voice of God. We talked, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, about judging prophetic words, judging spiritual input. First John 4, beloved, that's us, we are the beloved of God. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. For many false prophets went out in the world. And we begin to talk about, like, how do I know what I'm, if what I'm hearing is from God? How do I know if it's from my spirit, from the Holy Spirit, from demonic spirits, or from angels? And we begin to talk about judging prophetic words and judging the information that we're receiving in the spirit realm. And how many of you know that not all your thoughts are your own? And the goal is to have your thoughts and the Holy Spirit's thoughts. <laughs> But you know that if the, if the devil can speak to Jesus, that obviously he can speak to you too. And uh, one, of the, you know, one of the things that I used to preach is that every time the devil spoke that he lied. And actually that is not true. That's not scriptural. Remember that we talked about this too when the woman, I think it's in Acts 16, when she was following Paul, it said she had a spirit of divination on her. And she was saying, these are great men of God. You should listen to them. And you understand that what she was saying was true. She had the right words, but the wrong spirit. When demons would encounter Jesus, when, they, when, when demonized people would encounter Jesus, it says that the evil spirits would speak out and say, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus would tell them to shut up. So the devil will tell the truth if it, it, if it benefits his kingdom. There's a good thought or a bad thought, depending on who's speaking to you right now is a great example. We're just (laughs) experiencing thoughts right now. So it's important that we learn as we move into this new realm that we learn how to decipher the spirit realm. In fact, Paul uh, Paul said, (laughs) don't keep doing this. Paul said, Um, now concerning the spiritual brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. First Corinthians 12. Some of your Bibles say spiritual gifts. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. But actually the scripture says now concerning the spiritual, I don't want you to be unaware. It's important that we as Christians become spiritual. I'm not talking about it in the negative sense that sometimes we go, Oh, that person's so spiritual. But I mean in the positive sense that we actually learn how the spirit world works because we've been called as spirit beings to live as sons and daughters. In fact, the Bible says that all Romans 8, all that are led by the spirit are sons of God. And so it's really important that as we in, as we enter into the spirit world, that we learn how the kingdom how the kingdom, the, spirit, the spiritual world of the kingdom works so that we can enter into that world. And how many of you understand that if you don't understand the spirit world, that you, be, you can become a victim of the invisible man? And our goal is not to become a victim of the invisible man, but that, that we can partner with the Holy Spirit and we can torment the tormentors. We can... <laughs> that's... I... I um. I think it's important for us to know that we're to honor the past, live in the present, and look to the future. What happens when we live in the past instead of honor the past, we, you know, we're singing that song, you know, the way we were. How many of you understand that we're supposed to honor the past? We're not supposed to forget the ancient boundaries of our forefathers. There's something about the foundational principles that we learn. In fact, Hebrews said, Now leaving the elementary teachings of Christ, let's press on to maturity. He's not talking about leaving them in the sense that they're not important. He means leave them in the sense that they're under your feet. They're, you're, they're under your standing. Your understanding is based on truth. What's, what you're standing on is a foundation that's based on truth. And so, um, this morning I want to just take us to this, this next place. Um, I've quoted this many times, but... In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He didn't say proceeds It's not what God said, but what God's saying. That's actually food to our souls, health to our bodies and and actually inspires us in God. It's. So it's not what God said, but what God's saying. But how many of you understand that what God said, in other words, God can repeat himself and a preceding word, what God said, can become a preceding word. Remember when uh, Jesus encounters the boys when they're fishing and he says, hey, cast your net on the other side. And Peter says, Lord, we have fished all night and we've caught nothing. And he said, "Well, cast your, your net on the other side, and you shall catch you shall, you, you, shall, you shall have a great catch and they cast their net on the other side, and you know the story they had this incredible catch that they couldn 't hardly get in by themselves. It, sometimes it 's not new actions but renewed actions. sometimes God repeats what he says, sometimes it 's do the deeds you did at first, and when God repeats what he said, the proceeding word becomes the preceding word becomes a proceeding word again. Some of us just need to get back to what we were doing. Let me say that again. Some of us just getting back to what we're doing is a proceeding word. Some of us, some of us have lost our, our first love, not in the sense that we walked away from Jesus, but the things that we did in the beginning when we loved Jesus, we somehow, instead of those being the foundation that we live off of, become things that we left. And it's really important at times that we remember where this all began. We remember the innocence of our, our, and simplicity of loving Jesus. I, I didn't say any of this in first service, but I feel compelled this morning to stay here for a moment. I remember when I, when I met Jesus, I was 18 years old and I couldn't really read. I read on the third grade level and somebody bought me a Bible. And of course, in those days, it was King's James or nothing. It's like I learned Shakespeare and the Bible all at the same time. <laughs> and uh, I used to uh, I had a roommate who wasn't a Christian. And so I didn't want him to know that I became a radical Jesus freak. We were called Jesus freaks in those days. I didn't want him to know I was a Jesus freak because I figured he we wouldn't be friends anymore. We'd been friends since we were sixth grade. So I'd hide in our closet. We had a closet this kind of like walk-in closet. So I'd hide in the closet, turn on the light, and I would read all night. Well, I'd read all night, but I'd get through about one chapter because that's how slow I read. And they had these big words like sanctification. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but whatever it is must be good. (laughs) And it said, thou shalt be. So then I'm like, shall I be sanctified? (laughs) And I would read these words and the Holy Spirit would just talk to me about what that meant. And I actually learned to read by reading the Bible, the King James Bible. So there's a miracle right there. I didn't learn to spell. However, (laughs) maybe I need to read the message Bible to learn to spell. There's just events in our life that are monumental. Like we look back on them and we realize that we encountered Jesus in the closet that Jesus would spend. I did that probably for a year and a half. I would just I would just read until I fell asleep in the closet and oftentimes wake up and my, my uh, roommate would think I was gone early, but I'd actually be hearing him and I'm like, I better not come out right now. He'll know I was all night in the closet and I'll have to explain why I was in the closet. But, you know, there's some, some of us just need to get back to where we started. And it's not a preceding word, but it's actually a proceeding word. The Lord's saying, listen, I know you fished on both sides of the boat, but cast your net on this side to right now and you're going to catch a big... Catch. And uh, some of us just need to, uh, we just need renewed, we need to to renew what we used to do. We need to renew what we used to do. And let's just stop right now and just pray. We just, I really feel like this is the word of the Lord. I'm sorry, I can't move from this. We're just going to pray right now. How many of you just raise your hand? I'm not going to have you stand. You need to. You you feel like the Lord is just telling you this right now. It's like you need to renew your first love. I bet it's it's got to be a third of the people at least. Yeah, it's over half. I I thought so. I just felt like as we we hit this point this morning, there's something about the Holy Spirit just telling you, listen, you need to get back to where you started. Look, you're gonna find you're gonna find what you're looking for back where you started. And Lord, I just pray for all of us right here. We had these encounters that we started with. Somehow we've gotten so sophisticated and we've gotten so complicated, we've gotten so revelatory that we've forgotten the simplicity of knowing Christ. The simplicity, the simplicity of knowing Christ. Father, I pray for all of those in this room and those watching by iBethel TV and people in the overflow rooms, people that will watch this months from now, that the word of the Lord is that you just need to get back to your first love. You just need to cast your net on the other side. You don't need something new. You just need something renewed. Well, Lord, we just pray for that for everybody who's, who's trying to move forward and yet it's, it's back to the future. We have to move back to find our future. Lord, we, we pray for that right now for people. We pray for that first love experience. That staying in the closet all night. That praying through the night. Laying on the floor, weeping. The times where we trusted you completely when you told us to just give it all away. Don't keep anything for yourself. Those times when we, when we surrendered our whole soul, our heart to you. Those times when we said, you know what, if you don't come through this week, the rent isn't going to be paid. I gave it all away. Holy Spirit, let us move back to the simplicity of loving God. The simplicity of being a Jesus freak. <laughs> it's okay to be weird for Jesus, we used to say. Lord, it's good to be, have favor with people, but not at the expense of favor with God. Thank you, Lord. Let us want your affection above all other affection. Thank you, Lord. All of us who are leaders... Let us just remember where we came from, where we started. Help us not to forget the place that you first encountered us, that you first called us. I just had this thought as we're we're ministering. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he said to Mary, he encountered Mary at the tomb, and you know that story. And he said, go tell my disciples and Peter that have rose from the dead in the meantime Peter told the rest of the guys when Jesus died Peter said I'm going fishing and I used to think that Peter failed and I just had this thought as we were praying just now that maybe Peter went fishing because that's where he began he was fishing when Jesus found him (laughs) Maybe he thought this whole thing has just gotten too complicated and I'm going back to where I started I'm going fishing And it's amazing because that's exactly where the Lord finds him when he rises from the dead He's out On the beach and he sees Peter and John Peter gets so confused Says that he was stripped for Fishing and when he sees the Lord John goes I think it's the Lord it says Peter puts his coat on and jumps in the water. Like, <laughs> I just so love Peter because I do that stuff all the time. It's just completely irrational. Like, I'm going to swim. I think I'll put my coat on. It's the Lord. You know, I want to look good when I get to shore. <laughs> it says that he put his coat on and jumped in. <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't make it to shore because I... I don't really swim. The Lord would have to walk out on the water and save me. So, amen. Lord, just do that. Just restore us to our first love. Awesome. Let's just um, go a little deeper here. It's important for us to realize that it's what God is currently saying that's life to our souls. And it's so easy for us to get stuck in the past someplace. And I was thinking about... The story of Abraham and his father, uh, Terah. And Terah had uh, another son besides Abraham, actually had two other sons. One of them was named Haran. And it says that on the way, when they left the Chaldeans, when God said to Abraham, leave the Chaldeans to a place I will show you. Actually, he said, leave your father's house to the place I will show you. He was supposed to leave his relatives, but he didn't. His father went with him and his brother and and it says that Haran died along the way. Abraham's brother Haran died along the way. And then in the, a little later in the 12th verse of the 22nd chapter of Genesis, it says when they got to this city, this city called Haran. In other words, Abraham had a brother named Haran. When they, got, when they came to a city named Haran, we don't know if it was actually named after his brother, but it had the same name, it said that his father refused to go on. And it says, Tiara died in Haran. And so many times, um, we, we, have, we can't get past, it's like we can't get past our past. Are you, are you following me? It's like, it, like they were supposed to go to a promised land, but Abraham's father could not get past his past. And I think there's lots of times when God is speaking to us a proceeding word, and he's telling us, you know, follow me, you're going to a promised land, and some, something occurs in our life and we can't get past our past. It's like we, we end up dying in our pain and we can't embrace what God's currently saying because something happened that we don't understand, a mystery, a, a problem, uh, uh, you know, something, something that just grips us. And, and um, if that's you this morning, we just pray that you would be able to get past your offense. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me, that you'd be able to get past your offense I was thinking about the woman that came to Jesus and said, My daughter's sick. Would you please heal her? And he said, I don't, I don't give food to dogs. And for most of us, we would have been like, Oh, he's so spiritual. We're out of here. But she said to him, even, even dogs eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. And, she, and he said, I haven't seen faith like this even in Israel. And how many of you understand that sometimes the Lord will offend our mind to reveal our heart? that he will actually do things so that we can rise to the call. There's something about what happens when, when we come against an obstacle and we choose to push through the obstacle instead of return home. There's something about, there's something about understanding that these obstacles cause us to rise to new levels. And uh, I, I feel like some, there's just something about that in our own life, that God wants us to push past obstacles. I had a dream some time ago, and I'm... I'm kind of changing gears here. I had a dream some time ago that I've shared. I even um, wrote a chapter in the book "The Developing a Supernatural Lifestyle." And in this dream, I saw, um, I heard this this word, and the Lord said, "I'm giving you a new operating system." And I began to see words going across a page, like on a ticker tape, kind of like you would see on Fox News or CNN, like the word holy, peaceful, uh, powerful. Like they were just words just going across the screen. And the Lord said, I'm giving you a new operating system. And when he said, I'm giving you a new operating system, the words began to fall like rain. And this is very, this is kind of hard to explain because how many of you have ever had an experience with God that wasn't an experience that you had with words, and then you try to explain it with words? it becomes very hard to articulate something that you, that you had as an experience and then you try to articulate as words. So this is not, this is not even close to accurate, but it's the, close I, it's the closest I can get with uh, just sharing it with words. And so, so I saw, I, I saw these, these words go past me on a ticker tape. They were, just, they were all just in line. They were all the same size. They were all the same font, if you will. And the Lord said, I am giving you a new operating system. And as he said that, words began to, they began to fall from heaven like rain, and they were, they were kind of, it's kind of hard, they were turning and twisting, and they were different sizes, and the words were alive. And and the Lord said, I'm about to pour out in the dream. He said, I'm about to pour out revelation on this generation that has never been seen from the eons of ages. Even the angels long to look into what I have planned to reveal in this generation. But he said, if I pour out revelation on this wineskin, and I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a minute. On this wineskin, it will rip the wineskin. And then I began to look at the words, and the words were, they were kind of like spinning And they were, like I said, they were moving and they were alive. They were, it was was kind of, it was kind of, yeah. And so, I know, I know, this is so frustrating. And you can look at the words from different perspectives. Like, like you can look at a car. Like, you can look under the hood. You can look inside. You could get underneath. And every time I looked at the word from a different view, I got a different perspective of what that word meant. And then in the dream, I began to, I, be, I began to inhale the words I began to breathe the words and so like the word courage in the dream I saw the word courage and I began to look at the word courage from all different aspects And as I'm looking at the at the word courage, I began to breathe in in the in the dream I breathe in and as I did I inhaled the word courage and I suddenly became a courageous man and I and and the and in the dream the, the Lord said every word is an invitation to an experience, I, I, and, and there would be some of the words, some of the words that I saw were really tiny, like like you would say small print, and some of the words were bolded, like like you'd blow up on on a computer screen, large print, and um and it, when I came out of the vision uh, as actually a dream, I was just you know I was kind of troubled in my spirit. I'm like, what did that mean, and how do I apply it? And I began to realize what the Lord said in the dream. I'm about to pour out revelation on this generation. This is the information age, not because of the computer systems, but because of the revelation that I'm about to pour out on this generation. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I began to realize that the Lord wanted to pour out information, if you will, revelation about who He is and who we are that that the world has never seen. Like like they will look back a hundred years from now and they will call this, they will call this generation the information age, not because of the, not because of the computer system and all the information that's generated on the internet and all that kind of stuff, but because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, um, I I, I just, anyway, I just began to, and I began to realize that, that God was saying that we needed a new operating system, that this information that was coming we needed an operating system. It needed a new system to actually actually receive this information. And the Lord said, in the dream, if I pour out my spirit on this old wineskin, this old operating system, it will rip the wineskin. And then things began to be highlighted to me in the scripture. You know that, how that happens when the Holy Spirit is actually teaching you and training you that scriptures that you've read... Maybe hundreds of times, maybe you even have them memorized. They come to life and you begin to see them, kind of like in the dream. You begin to see a perspective of them that you never saw before. And it begin to read the scripture in, in a new way. In, in Isaiah 28.10, uh, Isaiah says this, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, and line must be upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And I began to realize that truth actually had an order, like it wasn't just random. Like e- even the world, you know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. But scientists, even uh, atheists who are scientists, they look at the they look at science and biology, and uh, you know, astrophysicists look at the way that the, the heavens are uh, are working. They they actually have come up with a, you know with formulas, you know, like Einstein's theory, they, and they realize that that everything in Creation actually has an order (laughs) like there's actually an order. They don't realize that someone ordered it, which is kind of funny You know, I can throw dirt on the ground. and It doesn't turn into something (laughs) It's just uh, just a pet peeve I had (laughs) I can throw dust up a hundred times and it never comes down formed like anything that I've ever seen before but but they understand that creation actually has an order that you can predict mathematically it's not just random And I began to realize that truth actually has an order That there's actually an order It's line he, Isaiah said line must be upon line And precept Can you understand what he's saying? He's like saying like there are building blocks to truth You don't just throw truth in a, in a, in a bag Shake it all up and come out with voila Ah, oh, the world No, when the Lord began to speak in Genesis chapter 1, it says the world was formless and void. That word is actually one word in the, in, the Greek, in the Hebrew. It's the word chaos. The word was chaos, and when the Lord began to speak into the chaos, order began to form. Are you following me? It's like without the Spirit, without the Spirit blowing on the Word of God, it's just chaos. Listen, though, it's the Word and the Spirit that equals truth. Are you following me? It's the word W plus S equals T. It's Einstein's story, maybe. <laughs> Came right to me. <laughs> In Matthew chapter twenty-three, twenty-three, Jesus said this, Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for you tithe meant deal and coming and and had neglected the weightier everybody say weightier. weightier Provisions of the law justice mercy faithfulness These you should have done without neglecting the others and here Jesus makes a statement and he says listen You you tithe even out of your garden. You should have done that. That's amazing but you listen you neglected the things that are weightier you neglected the more important truth he's saying he's saying listen, this is true. You're supposed to tithe That's awesome. You guys did that but you forgot mercy justice and righteousness In other words, he's saying you get the things God whispered But you forgot the things that he yelled and The point is that all truth is not created equal Remember in the dream some of the words were small And some of the words were large and I begin to realize like in in 1st Corinthians chapter 13 He says now faith hope and love abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love faith hope and love all truth All truth is not created equal faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love He says listen these are all true, but the greatest is love in other words There are foundation stones that other truths get built upon But when you reversed a truth you often have the wrong version or what we call perversion What is perversion? It's truth out of order Take sex who created sex God when he said be fruitful and multiply and He created sex and then he said in genesis 1 the last verse. It was very good But what happens when you take sex outside of the covenant of marriage? It becomes one of the most destructive forces in society. It becomes perversion. What is perversion? The wrong version. What happens when you take truth and you take it out of context? You have perversion. (laughs) Here we go. I'm trying to say to you that God wants to pour out revelation. Let's just say, for instance, that, that love... Remember, uh, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? Let's say love is a ten. Are you with me? So, so one being the least, can we say weighty? We'll use Jesus' word. Weighty, truth. And let's say love is the most weighty truth. What happens if you reverse the truth? For instance, what happens if you say, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives? Tell me what's weightier. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. What happens when you take wives, submit to your husbands, and you put it on top of? No, underneath? Husbands, love your wives. In other words, you make wives submit to husbands who don't love them? I propose to you that all truth has an order and that when you take it out of order, you have perversion. I think that most cults have truth. Have you ever talked to someone in a cult and they're using the same book and quoting most of your favorite verses? And you're like, hey, 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 I believe that. And they're like, why are they a cult? I believe that. And you walk away, and it's very confusing, because the, the church has an old operating system. All truth is created equal. So when you encounter someone who believes truth, but is definitely cultic, you're like, they're quoting the Bible. I believe this book. But what's the problem? Oftentimes, it's truth out of order. Yelling things, God whispered. Whispering things, God yelled. And God wants to pour out revelation, but we need a new operating system where we realize that everything doesn't weigh the same. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. For greater is the one who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues. Isn't that interesting? He said, Listen, all the gifts are important, but the greatest gift is prophecy. He said that. It's in the book. He said, the greatest gift is prophecy. And he said, this will get you, greater is the one who prophesies. I prophesy. <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> it's one thing to say my dog is a girl. It's another, one, another thing to say my girl is a dog. Just thought <laughs> i don't know if that had anything to do with what I was saying, but I thought it was very funny <laughs> you know in Genesis chapter nine verse twenty it's a story of Noah, and Noah you know gets off the boat, and he get, he t- did too much wine testing. <laughs> Tested the fruit of his labors too much. And he got drunk. And then got naked. It's in the Bible, sorry. <laughs> if you're offended, it's in the Bible. And Ham, his son, came in. And he, instead of covering his father up, he went and told everybody. He had told everybody the truth about what his father had done. And when his father woke up, He cursed Ham. Ham was the father of Canaan. Joshua drove the Canaanites out because of the curse on Ham. Why was Ham cursed? Because he told the truth out of time. Exposed his father instead of covering his sin. That's why Jesus said, The word kills, but the spirit gives life. That's actually Paul. Jesus said, You've studied, you've studied the Scriptures because you think in them you have life. But you've missed the one who they've spoke of. There was two trees in the garden. The tree of life. And what was the other tree? The knowledge of what? Do you realize it wasn't the knowledge of good? It was the knowledge of good and evil. The devil allowed wanted. He wanted Adam and Eve to eat a tree where they could discern good from evil, and he was evil. You know why? Because then they didn't need a relationship with God to know right from wrong. But you know the problem with eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Is that they ended up with more sins than God had. Remember, they were naked? And when God shows up in the garden, I love his part. God shows up in the garden. He goes, Adam, where are you? That had to be a very insecure moment. (laughs) Adam's already feeling guilty. Now he's like, God lost me. (laughs) He's like, the omnipresent one can't find me. I don't think God was asking Adam where he was in the garden. I think he was asking Adam where he was in his heart. And Adam said, We were naked. God said who told you you were naked it wasn't the serpent who told him he was naked it was the tree what happens when you get out from the presence of God you know that the world has more rules than God and you know that most of the church thinks it's their job to enforce the world's rules (laughs) it's just a thought what happens when you get away from God is you end up with more rules than God has Remember they were naked? How many of you know that God was teaching them right from wrong? Good tree, bad tree. That's why God didn't childproof the garden, so He could teach them right from wrong. But when they lost relationship with God, they made a, a longer list than God had. God only had one thing that they couldn't do: don't eat the tree. They could name the animals, they could ride the bulls. <laughs> they could feed the lions. I guess. <laughs> That's just a thought. I don't know if they could really, but maybe. <laughs> okay. But when you get away from God, the tree begins to talk to you. And you end up with principles and no prince. I have a feeling that even in the church that oftentimes we as teachers, as leaders, we teach people so much, they don't even need God to know what to do. They don't even need the, they, they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We teach them everything. Uh, we, teach them com, com, we teach them how to live and pretty soon they're so educated. They edu- we, they, we educate them out of relationship with God. They know everything about how to live, what to do in every situation. And pretty soon, they have confidence in what they know instead of who they know. I had a dream, another dream. And in this dream, in this dream, this man was feeding a baby with a bottle. And I saw a lightning bolt hit the bottle and the bottle blew up. And this voice said, No more formula, Christianity. I wrote this down. And a voice said, "No, No longer shall my children drink from formula. Formula from a bottle. My children drink. My children were created to drink milk from a body that has processed it and assimilated it. I remember Bill used to have this little... Three by five card on his desk that said I never study to teach I only study to learn And and at the at the bottom of the card it said whatever feeds me feeds them God didn't create us to be fed With some formula God wants us to assimilate the word of God and break off a piece of our life and our life becomes bread For people But it's important that we don't just memorize it, but that we assimilate it. You know, we're so obsessed with having a message, we've forgotten that we are the message. I want to finish with just one more principle. It should only take about an hour. Paul preached so long that people fell asleep and fell out the window. Our next church building is going to have a second floor and windows. We can get back to where we started. The last thing I want to talk about is this, is that all truth needs to be held in tension. And we'll do it quickly. And maybe we'll visit it next time I, I share. But all truth needs to be held in tension. I feel like truth is like a bow. And, and, the, and the fact that the truth has a paradox, like there's a divine paradox of truth, is what gives the bowstring power to actually, re, to actually re shoot arrows. You know, the greater the tension, the further the arrow goes. And so, like, for instance, it says that Jesus... This is, uh, this is Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. It says that Jesus was led in the, into the wilderness by the Spirit, capital S, to be tempted by the devil. That's, that's Matthew 4.1. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught us to pray this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Wait a second. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? Did the devil lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by him? No, it was the Spirit of God who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Lead us not into temptation. What, which is it? Both. How about, you want a few more? Paul taught this. Galatians 5.2 Behold, I, Paul, say that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Acts 16.1 Paul came to Deborah and Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy, whose son, uh, who was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. It says Paul wanted the man to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of, his, of his, uh, the Jews who were in those parts. For all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul taught, if you receive circumcision, Christ is of no benefit to you. Acts 16, Paul circumcised Timothy. I'd be, hey, Paul, Galatians. <laughs> Which is it? Jesus taught in Matthew five thirty nine. But I say to you, do not resist him who's evil. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. John two fourteen. And he found in the temple, this is Jesus, those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers seated at the table. And he made a scourge of cords. He made one. Premeditated. He made one and he drove them all out of the temple. Turned over the table, the money changers, table, coins, money. Jesus had a whip. Most of you are like, Yes, he didn't hit anybody. <laughs> Jesus was good with a whip. <laughs> Supernatural whip ministry. Did he tell you? Did, did he, does he want us to turn the cheek or does he want us to drive people out with the whip? Yes. How about this one? John eighteen thirty six. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Matthew 6, 9. Pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is it? Uh-huh. I love this one. Luke twenty two, thirty six, Jesus said, Sell your coats and get swords. They didn't have to sell their coats because they found two swords. Jesus said that's enough. John eighteen ten, Peter used his sword. Peter's like, John's Jesus is like, What are you doing? You said get swords. <laughs> Why did you use a sword? You said get swords. This is not my idea. <laughs> Ephesians three eight. For by grace you've been saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Not as a result from works. James 2.17 Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself. If someone would say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe God is one. You do well. The demons believe that. But you, are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Which is it? Yep. I love this one. And it shall be Acts two twenty one. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody say Amen. amen. Acts thirteen forty eight. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many has been had no as many had as had been appointed to eternal life believed. God's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. What? Oh, I forgot the verse. I'm sorry. And it shall be that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 13. They preached, and only those who are appointed to life receive Christ. What is it? Yep. I love this one. I'll finish with this one. Kind of. Matthew 24. It shall come about in the last days, Jesus said, that nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes and famines in various places. When will it happen? In the last days. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. When? In the last days. Isaiah chapter 2. Now it shall come about in the last days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as chief of the mountains of people, and and will be raised above the hills, and the nations will stream to it. And he will judge between nations and render decisions between people. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. When will that happen? It will come about in the last days. Which is it? Uh huh. I have pages of them. Do you have more time? I have pages and pages uh, Call them divine paradox God said this And then he said the exact opposite Listen, honor your mother and father It's the first commandment With a blessing The Pharisees, he said to the Pharisees You don't honor your mother and father You've broken the commandments You call everything that you have Corbin given to God Therefore you dishonor You dishonor your parents You dishonor God Three chapters later Unless you hate your mother and father, you cannot follow me. Lord, I was at your last conference. I was at the Love Your Mother and Father conference last week. Can you imagine the media following Jesus around? Dude, he can never win any kind of political battle, he always contradicts himself. You have to ask yourself why because the Bible was written see what's better a bicycle or a car for transportation a car unless you run out of gas (laughs) see the Bible was written with the core assumption just like cars were designed with the core assumption there will be fuel can you imagine if the whole planet ran out of fuel I mean, there was no fuel anywhere in the world. Who would buy a car? Nobody would buy a car. Why? I'd want to be in the bicycle business, though. So. See, I'd rather have a philosophy I can pedal myself than something that needs fuel. What if I don't have fuel? Well, let me say it this way: the Bible's not the best philosophy. In the world Unless you have God Because the Bible was written with the core assumption That these who read it will know God The goal of the Bible is to lead you into a relationship with God If you read this book And you don't know God You have principles without the prince You have no fuel for the car Listen, the, the rule of the jungle, it's dog-eat-dog dog and survival of the fittest. Turn your cheek doesn't work unless you know Jesus who protects you. Turn your cheek means man run over me, he kill me, he sees that as weakness. Give and it shall be given to you. No, in the world you give, they take. But what happens when you come into the kingdom? You live in another dimension Who do you think's given back to you? Well, I gave and Joe gave back to me Who do you think inspired Joe to give back to you? God did What I'm getting at is this The Bible was written with the core assumption That you will have a relationship with the Holy Spirit And it's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth I can tell you there, there are hundreds of paradoxes in the Bible And you are called to live in the radical middle. How do I know when to apply, turn the other cheek, and when do I apply aggression? Holy Spirit. How do I know when to honor and when to leave my father's house? Holy Spirit. How do I know when to work by faith? When do I require someone to say, listen, if you really have faith, show me your works. How do I know when to require someone to do something? And how do I know when to say, Hey, this doesn't have anything to do. It's all about grace. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one... Listen, if I could know all truth by reading this book, I wouldn't need the Spirit of truth to teach me the book. If you could know God strictly by reading this Bible... The Pharisees would have rocked. So what's the point? You cannot read this book. Listen, listen. Um, final point. And I didn't say this in first service. You cannot. This book is a dangerous book without the Holy Spirit. I was talking to a friend recently who spent two nights in a mental hospital through some really strange circumstance. He said, you know, the strange thing is He said, I met, everybody I met in the mental hospital was religious. They all quoted scriptures. Every single person. You know why? Because the strongest, evilest spirit in the world is not pornography. It's not the spirit of murder. It's not the spirit of adultery. It's the spirit of religion. And you know who's most in danger of being religious? People who know this and don't know this. If you learn this and you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're already deceived. And you know the people that are hardest to help are people who know the words and don't know the word. People who know the book and don't know the living word of God. The word of God is living and active. This is ink on a paper. This is supposed to lead you into an encounter with the living, active Word of God. You could burn every Bible that's ever been printed, take it off of every computer program, and you wouldn't destroy the Word of God. Because the Word of God was long before anything was ever printed. When I first came to Bethel Church, one of my jobs was to pick up the conference speakers at the airport, but I didn't know anybody. So they'd get the brochure out, and they'd circle the, you know, the pictures of all the conference speakers. They would circle the one I was picking up. I'd go to the airport with a picture of Bobby Connors circled. I didn't have Bobby Connors in the front seat. I had a picture of Bobby Connors. So that when i see him, I would know him. A lot of people carrying around the picture... There are a lot of people carrying around the picture and never pick up Bobby. Because someone convinced them that they had him. Because they got the picture. Every word in this book is an imitation to an experience. If you get the word but you don't get the experience, you can't say you know it. You're an echo not a voice God didn't say arise and reflect he said arise and shine it means you have to have a relationship to stop giving formula to people that we've never assimilated it's commonplace in American church at least to stand up and share things you've never ever experienced telling people how to do things you've never done and yet, the Lord wants children breastfed. He wants us to assimilate before we articulate. Stand, please. You know what's good about being out this late? The Baptists have already left the restaurant. You won't even have to wait in line. (laughs) Because we preach the eternal gospel. (laughs) So do they. I'm just being funny. We love the Baptists. That could have been taken negatively. It wasn't meant that way. We We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. some of us have been baptized in the holy spirit and yet in the book of acts it says and they were continually filled with the holy spirit the holy spirit was never meant to be a one time experience it's meant to be the baptism in the holy spirit was supposed to be the beginning it was the it was the wedding not the marriage some of us have mistaken the wedding for the marriage we got baptized in the holy spirit we're like what would it be like if you're a man and you, got, and, you, and you got married at a wedding, but you never saw your bride after that? That's how a lot of people experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had an experience and like, I'm married. It's like, uh, I think that means there's a relationship after that. You're supposed to be able to have intimacy after that, if you're with me. So Holy Spirit, we just want to be filled again I, for myself. sorry (laughs) I I meant when I get down from the pulpit (laughs) and for my friends for my friends no (laughs) for my friends for the people who are watching (laughs) Holy Spirit (laughs) you can overdose on the Holy Ghost but what a way to die (laughs) like, like a A fly drowning in a wine vat. You know, just like, I don't even know what happened to you. Holy Spirit, we just pray, you just pour out your wine on us. (laughs) No whining. Just pour out your wine on the Holy Spirit. Pour out your wine on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Pour out your wine, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just receive, right? Put your hands out right now. I don't know if that does anything, but... Maybe it does. Holy Spirit Well, we used to do it in the beginning days Hey, we got We got Methodist roots Methods work <laughs> we, got, we got rid of the can though We got rid of the basket We got rid of the garbage can But we got this still Holy Spirit, we just release your, We release you to touch your people <laughs> Get them Show them what love has to do with it. <laughs> Fill them to overflowing. <laughs> just stay. Just stay in receive mode for a moment. am going to have an Englishman come and finish. <laughs> hey, if you got a message, now you need a mess. Lord, we just release... Can you take it from here?